Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So, all right. Well, we are in this series called The Almighty Dollar, and it's just a short two-week series. And uh, uh, we've, been, we've been talking about this subject because it's really, really, really important. In fact, uh, Jesus found it really important in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to dive right into the scriptures today. So if you're ready, buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 starts off the chapter talking about giving, talking about money. And, and, and then he moves on to the subject of prayer. We see the Lord's Prayer as he prays it out for his disciples. And then, and then we, he goes to talking about fasting. And he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. So join us in January. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting coupled together. And everybody said amen to that, right? We're super excited to fast. And, uh, and then, of course, he moves on back to the subject of finances and giving again. And he starts talking about money in a very interesting way. He says, you know what? He says, don't, don't worry about this because he knew that we would be worried about money. He says, don't, don't try to get money and save it all up for here on this earth. Don't put all of your effort and all of your focus into getting stuff here because if you do that, the stuff here is just going to corrupt. It's going gonna, it's gonna to like, you know, moths are going to eat the clothes and, 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 and people can, thieves can break in and steal it. He's like, none of it is secure anyway. It's not going to be here forever. Don't focus on it. But then he really gets to the heart of the matter, and he dives down on chap- or in verse 24 of chapter 6. He says, talking about money, he says, no one can serve two masters. See, here's the thing. If you're a Christ follower, it also means that Jesus is Lord of your life. He is Lord and Master. That what he says goes, that, that he is the Lord of the land, and, and that, that if you lived in his province, like let's go back to old days of yore, right? And we live in Wessex, you know, and, uh, and, and he's the king of the land of the Lord. What he says goes. We, we have to follow his, his ways. And so, so he's master. He's like, but you can't have two masters talking about God being your master or the, Jesus being Lord of your life or money. He says, for you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Like, man, I'm going to work all week long. I'm going to work like nine to nine to get after that almighty dollar. But on Sunday mornings, I have a difficult time getting up and going to church for an hour. Come on, somebody. Did I just touch you right where you live? Uh Uh-oh. He says, you cannot serve God And I like how he says this. Other translations say you cannot serve God and money. But this one says you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Because, see, that's what will happen. See, God desires to be number one in your life. But for a lot of us, unfortunately, the almighty dollar, if we were to peek into our hearts, we'd find out that it is actually number one in our life. And Jesus knew that money when it came to the throne of your heart, that it would be the number one contender for it. I mean, there are a whole bunch of things that we try to make that, that number one spot in our life. We can make that our career, achievements. We can make that our kids or our spouse. But money is the number one contender for that place in our hearts. And Jesus goes right after it. And that's why God talks to, has me talk to you about money. 
Because the likelihood is, is that in this room, you either love God or you love money. It's one or the other. The likelihood is there. And the result of loving one or the other are vastly different. That if you love God and you're in a relationship with him, the fruit of that relationship is peace. It's joy. There's hope. There's fulfillment. There's so much that comes from that relationship. But if you're in a relationship where you love money, there's no fulfillment there. You get money only to want to get more money. There's no hope. Money doesn't provide you any hope. Money's not really secure. Financial security is an illusion. There's no hope. There's no joy. Now, I heard one comedian say that, you know, that, that money doesn't buy happiness. And he said, but have you ever ridden a wave runner? Because money buys a wave runner, right? <laughs> you ever seen anybody on a wave runner not smiling? Like, seriously. I, I like that. It's, that's a comedian said that. But, but, but seriously, money does not buy happiness. Doesn't buy you love. It, it doesn't provide any of these things. So, so it's important that we understand what, what loving relationship are we in? Are we in a love relationship with God or do we love money? Do we love the almighty dollar? So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the almighty dollar and specifically how God uses it to take a peek into your heart. Now, I understand that when we start talking about money, especially when a pastor does it, the tension is thick in the room. He just wants my money. Should I just take my wallet up and lay it right there? No, please don't do that. Please don't. Listen, I, I'm just going to tell you something as your pastor. By the way, if you don't have a pastor, I'm it. Hi. Uh, I, I don't want anything from you. What I want is something for you. And it's important that you understand the difference. I want something for you. So before you get upset about me talking about money, understand that I have a mandate, a biblical mandate. Like God has told me to talk to you about money. And Jesus did it. In fact, half of the stories, the parables that Jesus talked about were based on money. There are 500 verses in the Bible about prayer and 2,000 on the subject of money. This is an important subject because God knows that we look at money as the almighty dollar. It's important. So I'm going to talk about it today, and, and, and we're, going to, we're going to see why it's so important to him. Because, because he has to sit on the throne of your heart or their almighty dollar will. Now, I, I can already feel some of you that have been in church for a while. Pastor, I know exactly where you're going. You're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about the law of tithing. But, Pastor, we're not underneath the law anymore. Let me tell you something. I don't know why you're talking and interrupting me while I'm talking. But, but let me tell you something. I am going to go to the Old Testament. But I'm going to go 2,500 years before the law was ever given. And I'm going to show you something that forever has changed my life. And I want to show it to you because not only will it upend the almighty dollar in your life, it, it, it'll change everything and, and, and help you in your walk with Christ. So here we go. We're going to go back to the very first book in the Bible. It's Genesis. Genesis literally means the beginning. And we're going to go to chapter 4, and we're going to look at Adam and Eve's kids. The very first kids they had were Cain and Abel. Maybe you've heard this story before. But we're going to pick up in chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So from the text, we understand that Abel was a shepherd, and Cain was a farmer, okay? And in the course of time, Cain brought some fruit, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now you'll notice it doesn't say how much he brought 
All it identified was the time in which she brought it, okay? That, that in the course of time, that eventually, eventually after he had harvested all his stuff, he, he brought something to God. All right, so let's keep going. It says, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So in other words, he brought them first. He took them, he slaughtered them, said, God, I'm going to give them to you. I'm not waiting to see if there's, there's any more. I'm going to give them to you first, right? And he says, and then the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, for years, I've read this, and I've wondered why. Why did God have such an ax to grind with Cain and his offering? Like, he brought something, you know, he brought the fruit of his labor, and Abel brought the fruit of his labor. And I think it's just because that, that uh, uh, Cain tried, but he wasn't able. Oh. Wow. I love you guys. Seriously, though, I, I have. I've asked theologians and professors and teachers over the year, whenever this subject com- comes up, why is it? And for the most part, their response is simply that, well, God requires blood. There's a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And later on in the temple, we see that animal sacrifice was required. And so since he brought fruits, there was no blood there. there it was, so I was like, okay, so it has to do with the blood. Okay, cool. But, but come to find out years later, it, it's, that's actually not the reason. The, the reason is found here in the text. See, Cain brought a basket of his fruit eventually. In other words, that in the course of time, that after he had harvested everything, he took a look around his world and said, I've got enough. I, I can go ahead and do that. I've got enough. I've, I've got enough to take care of my family. I've got enough to, to last the seasons where the fruit isn't growing. I, I, I've got enough. And now, now I feel like I can go ahead and bring. So, so Cain brought it eventually in the course of time. But Abel, he gave his firstborn. He gave first without any other, other, other promise of any other lambs being born. He gave the first one. Said, here you go. I'm going to go ahead and honor you and give this to you first. He didn't wait to see whether he would have more or have enough. He gave his firstborn. And I need you to get this because I promise you it will help you. See, God doesn't need your stuff. You need to hear that clearly. God does not need your stuff. What he needs to know is where does he place in your heart? Where does he place in your life? Is he number one or is he, well, I'll get, eventually get around to it. Is, is this something that I'll, I'll, I'll get to it like ninth or fifth or fourth or third on the list? You know, when I learned this principle, I was like, holy cow, there's a whole lot of ways in my life that I could reorganize. One of the things was in order to demonstrate God, that his priority in my life was my, my Bible reading. So I, I don't know, I'm probably a lot like you guys. I want to read my Bible every day and I use the one-year Bible reading app. Uh, and, and so that's found in our Simple Church app. You can use that. And I wanted to read my Bible every day. <clears throat> it's like, all right, so there's selections there, and I'll get up in the morning. But if I don't have time in the morning, because I got kids, everyone, and you all know what I'm talking about, right? Kids can throw the schedule just into a complete and total mess. If you have animals in your house, there could be unwanted things in the carpet, you know what I'm saying? And things you have to take care of. You're, you're, every, anything can go wrong. You could wake up late, and even though I wanted to read my Bible in the morning, I'd miss it and go, okay, well, I'll just read it on lunchtime. And lunch would come, and somebody would invite me to lunch, and I'd forget about it, and I'd miss it, and I didn't read my Bible on my lunch. Oh, I can do it in the evening when I get home, and then, you know, life happens again, and I forget, oh, I can do it before I go to bed, and that's how I lived my life and made sure that I read my Bible every day, right? When I learned this, when I learned that, that, that what you do first is, where you, is what you're prioritizing, is what's most important to you, I decided to get up a little earlier than the kids do. 
I, I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this first. Or if I'm up I'm gonna, and there's an emergency, go tell your mom. I do recall specifically at one point in time saying, babe, you need to leave me alone. Do you like me better with or without Jesus? Because I'm getting some Jesus right now. She's like, with Jesus, I'll leave you alone. You know, just, she likes me better that way. That's a true story. That happened. It's for real. <laughs> but but it just, it's, just a, it's just a small switch. Well, I said, God, I'm going to give you the first part of my day, right? I, I'm going to do the first part of my day. And, and doing that communicated to God that he is first. It's just a small way that we can do it. This principle of the first is a powerful principle because God isn't interested in the amount. Remember, he's interested in the order. In other words, he's not concerned whether I sit and read my Bible for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or how many verses I read. He's concerned, did I do it first? Are you all following me? Where, where did he fall in line in my day? And when it comes to our finances, is it, is it him that's first or is it the almighty dollar? So you'll see this play out in our finances. Personally, in my finances, whenever, whenever I get our paycheck or my wife, we, everybody pretty much nowadays gets direct deposit, right? You know, some of you still may get a check or maybe you get paid cash. But, but, but either way, whenever we get our check, that email hits the, the bank account. As soon as I see that, that email hit, or it hits my uh, inbox and says, hey, you've got money deposited, I pull out my phone and I've got the, I, I have the text to give option saved in my contacts. And I type in text to give and... And then I type in the dollar amount and I send it. And as I'm sending it, I thank God. It becomes a very worshipful experience because I'm reminded in that moment that God is, I'm going to give this to you first. Before I pay any of my bills, I'm going to give to you, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to give that to you now. And I'm going to honor you first because honestly, God, all of this you gave me, it's all yours. I belong to you. And all you've asked me for is this portion so I'm going to honor you with it. I'm going to trust you with it. And I thank you for giving me all that I have. You've given me the ability to earn wealth. You've given me the strength in my body. You've provided for all of my needs. It becomes a very worshipful experience. Once I learned the principle of the first, like that I want to honor God in my finances. We do this here at the church. In fact, we actually weren't doing this initially. Uh, now, when we started our church, we, we, just, we decided we were going to tithe on every dollar that you all gave. In other words, 10% of it was going to go out to missionaries and organizations around the world and locally to help spread the gospel. But we weren't doing it first. We would look at how much you all gave on a monthly basis, and at the end of the month, we would give it. And as soon as I realized that, holy cow, honoring God requires that we do it first, we now every week Every week as they're typing in, whatever it is that you give, whatever God's laid on your heart to give, they immediately take 10% and set it aside for our giving. It's a small shift. It's these small shifts that we find throughout our lives that we can prioritize God and make him first. It's honoring to him. And I'm going to tell you what, the principle of honoring God, if you'll live this out in every area of your life, if you'll find ways to do it. God, how do I honor you first? Specifically, as we're talking about in our finances today, but, but in the rest of our life, God, how do I honor you first? If you live this way, I believe that it brings, it, it brings unexplained favor. That's why we look for ways to do it. We, give, we, give, we do the 21 days of prayer and fasting, the first part of our year. We give the first part of our week by being here on Sunday. Congratulations, guys, you're doing it, right? We give the first part of our day, and we give the first of all of our of our possessions as well. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to encourage you to live by three principles. Here they are. First is that God must be first. God must be first. You know, by God's very nature, who he is, he cannot, 
and therefore will not play second fiddle to anything. He is God alone. There's nobody like him. There's nobody above him. And that's the way he belongs on the list of things in your life. God first. God has to be first. And all throughout the Bible, God says, keep me first, keep me first, keep me first. In fact, the first of the 10 commandments, he says this in Exodus, and God spoke all these words, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So I've done all this stuff for you. And the only thing I'm gonna ask for you to do is make sure you have no other gods before me. Lowercase g, by the way. It means anything that you wanna put on that place before me. He says, just, just, just make sure I'm first. You say, Aaron, what is wrong with God? Is he like an egomaniac? Why does he need to be first? Well, let me tell you something. God is a relational God. He's not a religious God. See, man keeps trying to take God and turn him into this religious thing, this list of things that we have to do in order to get to God, but that's not who God is at all. He's a relational God. He wants to be in relationship with you, and he, and he's, he wants to be First, he needs to be. He must be that priority relationship with you. And when he's not, he's jealous. The Bible actually describes him that way. It says he's jealous. Now, here's the thing. He knows that we love things. He knows that we love our Chipotle burritos. He knows that we love our pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. Mm, bless the Lord, tis the season. <laughs> he knows. He's not mad at that. He just needs to know that you love him more than the other things that you love. He needs to know that in, that, that in the relationship, he is the priority one. In, in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Do not follow other gods, the Lord, by the way, lowercase gods, of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. And, and I, I want to just, for just a second, help you understand, God isn't asking anything of you that he didn't do first. See, God gave his first first. He gave his first and only son first. He did it for you before you even were going to make a decision to love him. Before you even know him, for most of us, well, all of us, I don't know why I said most of us, that was stupid. All of us, he did it before we walked this earth. God gave us Jesus. And Jesus, who was enthroned in glory in heaven for eternity past, and will be forever in eternity future. Wrap your head around that stuff. It's mind-boggling. But he leaves heaven, steps into our world, is born of a humble nature in a barn, y'all, with animals. And he lives this life on this earth for 33 years being tempted, living exactly as you and I do, but he did it all without sin. And then the man lays down his life for us. He gives his life as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. Only one person could do that, somebody that was sinless. So you and I could die for each other, but would it make a difference? Jesus dying made all the difference in the world. Amen. And God gave Jesus to us first. He gave him first. And as a result of giving him first, he wants to be first in your life as well. It's a relationship thing. Maybe if you're married, you can understand this. So I got married to my wife 14 years ago. And... Uh, <clears throat> on our wedding day, which, man, I remember so much about our wedding day that I, I don't even have time to share it today. I, I loved our wedding day. There was so much beauty in it. And we're standing up there in front of, in front of the preacher and in front of, in front of God and, and our friends and family, and, uh, and we're making promises to each other. And she promises me 
that I'm going to be the priority relationship. She says, with this ring, I thee wed. You know, it makes a decision. Aaron, out of the billions of guys in this world, you're my man. At home, she calls me the man. <laughs> you didn't have to laugh that hard at that. <laughs> anyway, she, she calls me her man, says, you're going to be my man forever. And I didn't, after she say that, like in reciprocation, say, Shan, I love you, but you're my number two. Mm-mm. <laughs> How many of y'all know that if I told her she was not the priority relationship in that moment, that she would have cut me? <laughs> That's the truth. If you don't know my wife, what you need to know about my wife is on our wedding day, as we're standing there in front of the preacher and God, she called me a jerk, right? I'm just telling you, it's true. I can play you the video. It happened. We can talk about that maybe in the relationship series coming up and tell you how that hurt my heart. <laughs> Point is, is, the commitment she made to me is the same one she asked for me to make to her. And, and that's, that's, that's what's going on here. Marriage is a covenant relationship, and God has entered into a covenant relationship with us, and he asks us to love him back in the same way, to make him first. It's first. He can't be anything but first. So here's how you can communicate that he's first. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. We, we give him the first of everything. Now, I understand this is, this, in totality, this doesn't have to be a money message, even though we are talking about money today, but, but first in everything, we give God the first part of it. That's why we, we give the first of our day and our week and all these things because first reveals the priority. First, communicate something special. And your possessions, when you give the first of your possessions, first of your paycheck, it communicates something as well. That's why the Bible says this in Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything from the land. By the way, a tithe means a tenth. It's a percentage of everything from the land, whether it's grain, from the soil or for the fruit from the trees. Basically, it's, it's whatever your work product is, whatever the result of that is. It is holy to the Lord. Now, this word holy, by the way, means set apart for a purpose. That when God says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you to give 10%, when I'm telling you to give this tithe, I have a purpose for it. It is set apart for God's purposes. And the real principle, though, behind this, behind giving to the Lord, is not about the percent, although the percent is important. By the way, he gave the percent so that everybody could play, because if he gave a dollar amount, some of us would feel crushed by that. If he said, hey, the dollar amount is X, and we couldn't do that, or our job, our income couldn't provide that, we, we'd really struggle. He gave a percentage so that everybody could play. It's equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. And he said, he's, but, but, but when you give the percentage, and the, and the, or excuse me, the amount is not important. What's most important in this is the priority, is whether you give it first. You say, Aaron, so you're telling me that I could tithe, but I could give it like after I've paid all my bills, and that wouldn't be a true tithe? That wouldn't be what honors God? That's correct. That's what, exactly what I'm saying. That if you, when you give it first, that's when it honors God. It is the principle of the first. You say, well, well isn't the money that I, go, that I gave you going to make a difference in the world? Absolutely, yeah. We're going we're to take that money and we're going to use it to, to continue to spread the gospel. But, but in your life, it's not communicating to God that he's first. In Deuteronomy 14, I love what it says here. Because remember, God's looking at our hearts. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. This is why it exists. It's to teach you to trust him. I remember there's an old song 
that talks of Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. And it goes on to say, oh, for grace to trust you more. You want opportunities to trust God? Here it is. It's right in front of you. Giving to God first will require faith. It will require that you take a step towards him to trust him when you do it first. The next principle about this is that the first has the power to bless the rest. See, God obligates himself to bless the rest when you give first. In other words, what I'm telling you is that, and this this is hard to wrap your head around because again, it's not what the world will teach you, is that if you'll trust God with that first tenth, he'll bless the 90% and do more with it than you could do with 100%. See, that's God's economy. That's the way he does things. So you'll never know unless you try it. You can't argue with me unless you've done it. You just can't. Well, I never. That's just not going to work, Pastor Aaron. Prove it. In fact, God says that. He says, test me in this. It's the only thing he says to test me in is this, this subject right here. Finances, tithing specifically. Test me. Prove me. See if it works. Mm. God's obligated himself to bless the rest. That's why we pay attention to the first. In Proverbs 3, he says, in all your ways, not just in your finances, but in all your ways. And then he goes on to give a financial example. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. It's the first of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now that's a promise from God that if you'll give him first, of whatever it is, that he'll bless you, that you'll have more than enough is what that verse means. That's a godly promise. Now, you know, years ago when we first started this in order to encourage people to take the step of faith, because remember, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. But I wanted to encourage people to take that step. I said, you know what? I'll give you a 90-day money-back guarantee. Try it. If, it, if God isn't blessing you, Within 90 days, you can come back and ask me, and I'll give you every dollar. By the way, I never had anybody during that time ever ask me for the money back. Never. But I decided somewhere along the way, I said, you know what? God began to speak to my heart, and I decided I needed to pull that, pull that offer back. You say, oh, why, Aaron? Were you scared? Not at all. What I realized was is that God's making a bigger promise than I was making. That how in the world is a man-made offer going to be good for you when God's made a God-sized offer. He's making a really big offer here to bless you in a way that you'll have more than you ever needed if you'll just trust him. And I was, I was robbing people of the opportunity to trust God because they were trusting Aaron. Hmm. It, it takes trust to do it first. He says, make me first and I'll show you how I'll respond to it. Test me in this. So I stopped offering that 90-day money-back guarantee. And I promise you, if you'll talk to anybody who ties, they'll tell you how God has blessed them. They'll tell you about how they started this journey and how it was scary, how doing first and 10%, like it was, it was scary. That, man, I'm not sure if I'm gonna have enough money at the end of the month to pay all the bills. They, they were scared. And again, I don't want you to do it because I want your money. I want you to do it because God wants to be first. So make him first and he'll bless the rest. Let me give you five practical things you can do with your money and note the order in which I give them as we close because the order is important. The first thing you can do with your money, it's all yours anyway, and we talked a little bit about this last week, is you can spend it. A lot of Christmas is coming up. You guys are already spending money. Your kids got Christmas wish lists. You've got a wish list. 
you can spend your money. You're going to go to Chipotle today and buy a burrito. Like, I think that's the second or third time I mentioned that today. <laughs> if you go today, tell him I said hello, and that I'll see him tomorrow. You can spend it, and, and, and most of us will. Second thing you can do with your money is you can use it to repay your debts. I mentioned Christmas is coming up, right? A lot of us don't have really good boundaries put into place, and we spend way too much. And so at the end of Christmas, we're going to have a lot of bills to pay, and a lot of credit card bills we've got to pay back. Some of us, we've just got our car loans and our mortgages and student loans and things. We've got bills, electric bills and all these things we have to pay. So, so you're going you're to use it to repay your debts. Third thing you can do with it is pay taxes. Now, this is not you can do this, you will do this, okay? Two things sure in life is death and taxes, all right? Uh, if you figured out how to not pay taxes, uh, look out, because you're probably going to jail. So that's just, uh, just letting you know. Fourth thing you can do with your money is save and invest it. This is a good thing. In fact, Solomon applauds this. It says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That, that this is really, really important that you invest and that you plan for future things, and I think that's important. The last thing you can do with it is give it away. Many of us know that we, we can do this. We give to charities or we give to friends or family that are, that are struggling and, 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 and are in need of some finances, and, or, or we, give it, we give it to God. Now, if you look at this list, remember that, that the order determines the priority. That it's, it's important that you understand that the way that this plays out is the way it plays out for most people, is that God is usually last on that list, that, that we're going to spend it first, we're, we're going to pay our bills, we're going to pay our taxes, we're going to invest it, and if anything's left over, we give to God. But, but here's the thing, it, what that list reveals is what's most important to you. Where God falls out on the list is, is what's most important to you. And when God's last on the list, it's not really a good thing to communicate to him. It's, it's just not, hey God, you're last. One of the most powerful explanations I've ever had of this principle came, and I'll share it with you because if you haven't been trekking with me so far, you will after this. Um, my kids wanted to go get some ice cream, and uh, so I took my, my two sons, Tyler and Trent, with me, and, uh, which, by the way, if you've seen them around lately, they're just becoming these, these such incredible young men. I'm so proud of them. They're not even here this morning, but if you see them, tell them, tell them your dad was bragging on them this morning, but... They're such good kids, and, and, and uh, we, we're going to, to Dairy Queen because they asked to go, and, and we pull up, and there's this, there's this new flavor of a blizzard, and man, Trent is excited. Tyler's like me. He's going to order what he consistently orders every single time because he knows that's good. Like, he wants a bite of, of something else to try it, but he's gonna, his order is going to be a, an Oreo uh, blizzard, right? Like, because that's the only way to roll. And, um, but Trent was excited about the new flavor, and so I ordered them for him, and I remember handing him, Trent sitting in the back seat, Tyler sitting next to me, and we're pulling out of the Dairy Queen parking lot, and Trent cannot wait. I said, just make sure you cover yourself up, you know, with napkins and stuff, and, and mainly my car. Uh, but anyway, he pops the top of that thing, and uh, Tyler's going to wait till he gets home because he doesn't want to make a mess of himself and the car. He's just like his dad. But uh, Trent pops it, digs right in, and I can see him in the mirror. He's going like this, and I said, hey, Trent. I said, can I have a bite? And he stopped and he looked at me. He said, yeah, Dad, I'll give you some. No problem. Sure. And I said, no, 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 no. Can I, can I have that bite? It, it was the first bite. Now, I wasn't trying to make a point. I was just trying to get a bite of it before I pulled onto Main Street so I didn't wreck my car. <laughs> and I watched his face in the, in the rearview mirror. I saw him. He's like, 
sure, Dad, you can have this one. And he, and he leans the spoon forward and he feeds it to me. It was really sweet. <laughs> and in that moment, I heard God speak to me. He said, that's what I want. That's what I desire from you. He said, did you drive them to Dairy Queen? Yeah. Could they have gotten there on their own? Well, sure, it would have taken a really long time, walking there and walking home. Long time. Did you pay for the ice cream? Well, yeah, I provided it for them. Like all of it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I gave it to them, yeah. And then all you asked for was the first bite. I did. And how did you feel when your son gave you the first bite? Oh, amazing. I mean, because it was just in that moment I realized how much it mattered to him. It was the new flavor, and he was going to be, because we all like to be the first. Come on, don't even front with me. We all like to be the first one in our community. I got the new iPhone 11 Pro. Look at it. It's got three cameras instead of two. We, we, want, we like that, right? We want to be the first. Why? Because there's honor attached to the first. He's like, I just, I just want the first bite. He said, I gave it to you anyway. I want you to keep it all. I want you to enjoy it. But I want you to give me back the first. And from that point forward, I understood what God desired of me. He's blessed me with all of it anyway. It's all his. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. Jesus paid it all for me. And all of my life, everything that I have belongs to God. He's just asked for this to honor him. And I feel like, man, it's really important that we get this way, to live this way. And I realize that it takes faith to do that. But God had faith, too, when he gave his first. See, when he gave Jesus, the scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus didn't, get, didn't lay down on the cross, and before they put the first nail in, said, wait, 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 wait. Is anybody going to raise their hand at the end of service today and say yes to following me? Anybody? Oh, no, I'm out. And he's gone. He didn't wait gave it first in faith, and he laid himself down on that cross, and he died for us, and, and he gave us so much. It took faith for him to do that, and it will take faith, faith for us to live this way, faith to give it first. That's why, let me come back to our key verse for the whole series. Jesus is talking, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, now I like this. Because he goes on to talk because he understands our challenge. He understands our temptation. He understands why money's the number one contender for us. And he understands that you're going to question, if I give first, am I going to have enough for myself? He says, that's why he goes on and says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Oh, that's so hard for us to do. To utter those three words, God, I trust you. I guess that was four words, but... I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with where my next meal is coming from. I, I trust you with all of it. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. He goes on to encourage us. Is not life more than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? I love that. Worrying's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere, guys. <laughs> and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, by the way, the wealthiest king, 
that ever walked this earth. He said Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Not even Solomon was dressed like one. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So, so the next part of it is, is a powerful question. He's asking, like, don't you believe that God's going to take care of you? Don't you trust him? All these things, he knows you need them. He knows you want them. He's got this. And he goes on to ask a really powerful question. He says, he says don't you, he says, uh, how much more are going to clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. It's a question. Don't you have faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, in other words, those that don't even serve God. They run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek, and everybody say it with me, first. Yeah. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, if you'll seek him first, you can go to bed knowing that he's got it. In every area of your life, you just choose to trust him. Trust is a choice, by the way. It's a choice. I'm going to choose to trust you. You'll have peace that passes all understanding. It won't make any sense to you, but you'll have peace, and that comes from faith. He finishes up and says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, God's promises for us, if we place him first, are huge. They are huge. But those promises are attached to us trusting him, putting him first, honoring him, prioritizing him. And I promise you, if you live your life this way, of putting God first, it will upend the almighty dollar. It will throw him from the throne of your heart and ensure that God remains number one in that spot. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would just speak to us, speak to us individually. What is it you're saying to us? Lord, I know that, that oftentimes one of the things that you remind me of is, is that verse in Malachi 3, and a lot of people who've been in church have grown up and have understood this verse, I think, wrong. Lord, and you said, will a man rob me, and you rob me with tith- through your tithes and your offerings? I don't believe that we were robbing you of money. I believe that we were robbing you of an opportunity in our relationship for us to trust you more, for that, for that moment, for that grace to trust you more. So God, I just pray that we would trust you more, that with all of our being, Lord, in every area of our life, not just our finances, that we would begin to, to seek and listen for opportunities to put you first. And as we hear those opportunities, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to repent, that we wouldn't be afraid to share with someone close to us, like, hey, this is what the Lord's speaking to me. and I want you to pray with me, walk with me, hold me accountable as I establish a new lifestyle, as I repent, as I make a plan to, to change this in my life. God, as we make that plan, I pray that you would bless those plans. Bless us as we take steps towards honoring you first, making you 
the priority relationship. Help us to do that today. Now, there are those of you here with every head bowed and eye closed. I'm just going to say this, that, that you say, Aaron, you know, I, I believe in God. Well, can I tell you something? I, I, the devil believes in God. He believes, but he doesn't want you to believe. He wants your heart. God does. He wants to be first in your life. He wants you to know him the way that he knows you, and that's intimately. The devil doesn't want that at all. He's fighting against you, fighting against every opportunity for you to know God, and I'm here today to tell you that this can be your moment. This is the moment where you let God win that battle for your heart right here and right now. I believe he's here, and I believe he's knocking on the door of your heart. And you need to know that that he loves you so much. John 3, 16 says, God loved you, loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, that the stuff in your life that's dead would come back to life. Listen, walking with Jesus, your life isn't gonna be perfect, but it's gonna be better because you're walking with him. He promises you a full and fulfilled life, not a perfect life. Some of you here today talking about relationship with Jesus, you feel like you need to be perfect in order to walk with him, and no, that's his job to clean you up. He just wants you to come as you are. So right now, here's your moment. If you want a full and fulfilled life of walking with Jesus, oh, by the way, it comes with a free ticket to heaven. So hope for a life that is perfect and pure after this one? If you're ready to make that commitment today, make Jesus Lord of your life. I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. I will not ask you to come to the front or stand up. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but nobody's looking around right now. If you're here and you're ready, would you just slip your hand up, say, Aaron, that's me. Do that right now. Come on, be bold. Be bold. Slip your hand up, say, Aaron, that's me. Yep, proud of you. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. For those of you that, are, that have slipped your hand up today, listen, we're all gonna pray together. We're gonna pray out loud. You just need to mean the words that you're praying in your heart or praying right now, mean them in your heart. Everybody, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Today I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.